You said it, I believe it, it is done. You said it, I believe it, it is done. But sometimes we sit in a season where we look and we say, but it's not done. Because I don't have it. I'm not experiencing it. I'm not seeing it. And that's where faith comes in. Because faith is knowing for sure. Faith is, 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 is defined in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And so I might not have it now. But God, you're not a liar. And I know one day. That's when we hold on. I'm certain. I know it doesn't seem that way. But my God is not a liar. He will come through. And if he did it then, he'll do it again. So whatever it is you're circling, whatever it is you're believing for, keep circling. Keep believing. Keep trusting. God, would you extend our faith, stretch our faith, challenge us, take us to a place we've never been before, to believe like never before, and to know that even if the thing that we want, the thing we long for, the thing we desire, even if that's not in our possession, would you just remind us we have everything we need if we have you? And you're the one we're clinging to. Because in you, that's where we'll find the peace we hope for. In you, that's where we'll find the riches that we long for. In you, that's where we'll find the patience that we so desperately need. In you, we will find everything that we're lacking. Ah, so maybe that's it. You're just drawing us back to you. Because in you, we'll have it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can go ahead and take your seat. Man, y'all give it up one more time for our worship team. Come on. That was, that was E.G. singing Emma Grace. I'm scared she's going to go to American Idol or something. The, the voice or something gets snatched up. Man. Well, hey, uh, Exodus chapter 14, verse 31 says, When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. And they put their faith in the Lord and in his servant, Moses. I want to encourage you to go and take out your phone and, and start a new note in your notes app because, of course, you take notes when you come to church, right? Everybody is taking notes because I take notes during the week to write this sermon. I work really hard on it. You should, you're taking notes, right? Go ahead and take notes. So, so take out your phone. Go ahead and uh, start a new note on your, on your notes app. And um, I want you to leave the top part blank because I'm going to give you my title later. That top part is where the, the title is going to go. I'm going to give that to you a, a little bit later. But, but throughout the sermon, if you, if you see something on the screen, feel free to take a picture of it. That's how we take notes here. You can also type some stuff in that note. Uh, but, but go ahead and start taking notes. But leave that top section blank for my title that I'm going to give you a little bit later. Now, let me ask, who here is greedy? Like, okay, nobody's, nobody's going to admit to that, right? Like, like, greedy, like, when we think about being greedy, it's just like, ugh, that's so, ugh. I mean, I mean, we might admit to being prideful, 
Maybe we'd admit to not liking people sometimes, not treating people right sometimes. You, you might even admit, hey, who here gossips? You, you might even raise your hand to that. But, but when it comes to greed, like nobody here is going to raise their hand and, and admit to that. Like, yes, pastor, I'm guilty of this wretched sin and I want to confess before the people of God so I can be free from it. Like nobody's going to do that, right? Because greed is just so, ugh, greed, ugh. But I think some of you are greedy. I think most of you are greedy. I think all of you are greedy, actually, because I know I'm greedy at times. I know I'm greedy at times. And, and greed is not this image of some fat cat banker rolling around on money. Sometimes that's the image we have of somebody who's greedy, or we think, oh, all the greedy people are those 1% of people, the 1% richest people in the world. Those are the greedy people, right? But, but I just want to point this out. Um, if you net the average American household income of $70,000 a year, that's the average American household, $70,000 a year. If you net $70,000 a year, you're in the top 6% of richest people in the world. In the world. There are 94% of people poorer than you are. And if you make the national average poverty threshold. So, so the poverty threshold here in America is $33,000 uh, for a household. Not a single income, but for a household. If your household brings in $33,000 a year, the, the national poverty level limit, you're in the top 18% of richest people in the world. The top 18% of richest people in the world. That means that there are 82% of people in the world who are poorer than you are if you're at the poverty level here in America. We're rich. But here's the deal. Greed has nothing to do with whether you're rich or not. Because there's rich people who are generous. There's rich people who are greedy. There's poor people who are generous. There's poor people who are greedy. See, greed has nothing to do with what you have or don't have. Greed is all about who you are. G greed is not, do you have this? Greed is what's in your heart. Greed is a mindset. Greed is a way of looking at the world. And I think you're greedy. Because I know I am at times. There was this one time where Jesus was, was teaching, uh, he was preaching this sermon, and uh, this guy interrupts him in the midst of his sermon. Please don't do that. But this guy interrupts him. Right? And he says, uh, so, so Jesus is teaching, and then we have a recorder for us right here in Luke chapter 12. It says this, then someone called from the crowd, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. And Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? And then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. And here's what fascinates me in this passage. I don't know if you saw it or not, but Jesus said there's all kinds of greed. Greed isn't just one thing. There's all kinds of different types of greed. And, and I want to take a moment just to dive into four facets of greed that often show up in our life. There, there's four facets of greed. One is hoarding. The other is overspending. And then entitlement. And then comparison. Agree. Greed isn't about how much money you have, what you have or don't have. Greed is about what's in your heart, who you are, how you view the world. And so I want to I look at hoarding uh, real quick. James chapter 5 verse 1 says this, look here you rich people. Who's he talking to? Us. Me and you. 
Because again, you are most likely at least in the top 18% of richest people in the world. We're rich. And, it's, and i got to point that out because it's easy if we read something like this to say, that's somebody else. That's not me because we compare. I don't have what they have. They have more than I do. They are the rich ones. Watch out because comparison is part of greed. But James says this, look here, you rich people. He's talking to us. Weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. There's another, uh, one, one modern prophet who said it this way. So he's talking to rich people. He said, weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. One modern prophet said it this way, mo money, mo problems. This is what James is saying. He said, for listen, Hear the cries of the field workers whom you've cheated of their pay. I don't do that. But we participate in a system, often unknowingly. We just turn a blind eye to it. And, and I don't know how to beat this. It's so hard to, to not engage in this and not participate in this. But we participate in a system that uses uh, forced labor to get the products that we have. We participate in a system that, that, that underpays their workers in other countries. Again, I don't know how to beat that. I don't know how to, how to, how to circumvent that. And, I mean, because like, it's almost in everything that we buy. But he, he's just saying, listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you've cheated of their pay. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. And then he says, your wealth is rotting away. Your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you are counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. Welcome to church. Aren't you glad you came? Good night. This is, come on, James, like back up. Like lay off a bit. And, and I want to point this out. There's nothing wrong with investing and saving. There's nothing wrong with investing and saving. Proverbs uh, 21, 20, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. And so you should save. You should invest. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But what hoarding is, is when we invest and we save and it's all for us. When we invest and we save and we think it's all about us. Now, before you push back and you say, there's no way I'm a hoarder, because you've seen the show, and you say, I can walk around in my house, right? There's no dead cats underneath 46 lamps in my house. I'm not a hoarder. Before you just push it off and say, that's not me, hoarding is when we invest and save thinking only of ourselves, and we have to hold on, and we have to grab hold of whatever it is we can get, and we can't ever give it away. If I can't give, if I can't be generous, that's a symptom of hoarding. And I just want to point this out. The average American has 20 pairs of shoes. How many shoes do you have? How many shoes do you actually need? I just, just want to ask some questions. The LA Times reported that the average American has 300,000 items in their home. 
In 2015, the Huffington Post reported that there were 48,500 self-storage facilities, not units, facilities, 48,500 facilities in America. Every Starbucks and McDonald's combined comes to about 24,000 locations. We have twice as many storage facilities as we do Starbucks and McDonald's. So we are hoarding a lot of stuff. And we're getting a lot of caffeine and carbs and fat. Okay, okay, okay. And sugar, too. High glucose syrup, corn syrup. I don't know. So do you have everything you need, or do you need everything that you have? So hoarding is a form of greed. Overspending is the next one. Proverbs 15, 27. The greedy bring ruin to their households. The greedy bring ruin to their households. So if you're hoarding, you're going to bring ruin to your household because you can't move around in it. You're going to get sick, mold, and have an intervention and be on a TV show. It's going to ruin your household. But in the end, it'll hopefully help you get better. But also overspending. The greedy bring ruin to their household. Overspending brings ruin to a household. If you're married, you think about some of the arguments that you have, some of the fights that you have. A lot of it's about money. It's about overspending, maybe. It's about how we're going to pay these bills. A lot of the worries that you have, a lot of the fears, the frustrations that you have. How are we going to pay these bills? Because we got more month, but we don't have any money left. So how's this going to, the greedy bring ruin to their households. Overspending is when you spend more money than you have. That's called debt. The average American has $5,500 in credit card debt. And it's driving a car that carries an average payment of $667 for a new car, $515 for a used car. I looked it up. My payment isn't that. Good luck, but you still got a payment. Because sometimes what happens is we think, well, I can afford it. No, you can't afford it if you got to make payments. You can afford it when you can pay for it in cash. Because it's not yours until it's paid off. It still belongs to somebody else. Greed says this, uh, even though I don't have the money, I'll just charge it and pay for it later because I want it now. See, inside each and every one of us, there is a little Veruca Salt who is screaming out, I want it now. You know Veruca Salt from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And she sees the golden egg and she wants the golden egg and I want one now. And there's this little Veruca salt inside each and every one of us. We see something and we can't afford it. But instead of putting it off, instead of paying ourselves the payment and then paying for it in cash, we want it now. It's greed. I'll just pay for it later. Or I'll make payments on it. It's greed. Overspending is a form of greed. And it brings ruin to a household. And because the average household in America... Christian or not, there's not really a difference between Christians and non-Christians when it comes to debt. The average household in America carries just over $17,000 in debt. And because of that, greed has chained the people of God so that they can't use the resources of God for the purposes of God. And so I'd love to give, I'd love to do more, I'd love to see God's kingdom built in a greater way, I want to exercise generosity in a greater way, but I can't because I owe my master card. 
there's this card that I have that's my master, and I got to give the resources God has entrusted to me to them because of my greed. I got to pay off American Express. Excess because of my greed. Greed brings ruin to household. And, and oftentimes it's just we just don't know any better. I mean, we're trying our best. We're doing the best that we can. Most of us grow up and we don't have a good sound foundation when it comes to finances. Hey, I totally understand it. My wife and I, we were $16,000 in debt years ago. It took us a year and a half to pay it off, though, once we got on a plan. And we went through this thing called Financial Peace University, which, by the way, we're offering Financial Peace University as a church next year in January. It's a nine-week course that's going to help you find financial peace. It's going to give you freedom in your finances. In this course, it's going to teach you how to um, save up an emergency fund, how to get out of debt Uh, quickly, how to build a budget and stick to it, how to build up a greater emergency fund. It's going to teach you how to invest for your future, how to invest for your kid's college. It's going to teach you how to pay down your house so that you can completely become debt-free. And it's also going to teach you how to build wealth and give and live like never before. So I want to invite you, if you haven't signed up for Financial Peace University, if you're struggling with greed, if debt is something that has you chained around the neck, today is a day for you to sign up and get in this course that we're offering next year in January. Uh, I say next year. It sounds so far away. It's not. It's only like several weeks from now. But sign up for it. And the first 10 people, the first 10 families, the first 10 households to do it, uh, we have it at a discounted rate of 60 bucks as opposed to the, the $80 that they typically charge. So this is a way that you can combat overspending by getting on a plan. So overspending is a form of greed. Another form of greed is entitlement. James 4, 1, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. See, entitlement is this idea that somebody owes me. Somebody owes me. I don't have this, and you owe it to me. And when I'm entitled and I get the thing I feel that somebody owes me, there's no gratitude that comes from that. Because you you were supposed to do that. That's what you were supposed to do. I'm owed that. And so I got that. I'm not grateful because you just did what you're supposed to do. When, When we feel entitled, we don't live in gratitude. When it's not owed to me, but it's a gift, I wasn't expecting that. Oh, wow. I had a desire that this would happen, and it did. Man, thank you so much. That's when gratitude comes in. But if we're entitled, we're greedy. If you want to see a good picture of entitlement, just go to a Starbucks and sit for a while. And you'll see somebody come in, and they're going to order a quad grande soy light foam two-splenda latte with cinnamon topping on top. And then when they get that latte and they inspect it and they see that there is two centimeters too much foam on top, they're going to flip out. That's entitlement. So help me. Give me my drink. Now, order your drink how you want. Do, you know, you like what you like. But when it's not right, how you respond shows what's in your heart. Hey, hey, there's a little bit too much foam on this. Would you mind uh, remaking it for me, or could you do something about that? Okay, good. Hey, what's wrong with you? Oh, I can't believe. It's entitlement. How you respond shows what's in your heart. Entitlement is a form 
of greed. Entitlement is uh, when I show up and I want more money, but I'm not willing to work harder. We're seeing it now. Entitlement is this is what I am, am owed. Entitlement is when everyone in the league is a winner and you get a trophy just for showing up. This is entitlement. It's a form of greed. The, the final facet of greed I'll share with you is, is comparison. Proverbs 14.30, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Envy, jealousy, comparison is where you become dissatisfied with what you have and you want what somebody else has. Uh, my wife and I, our family, we moved in, in 2019 uh, to our house now. Um, but before that, we lived in, in Norfolk for, for about 12 years, and our house was like an 800-square-foot house. And, and then we had our daughter, and then we had our, our son, and then we realized we needed a bigger house uh, because of that. But while we were in that, in that house, it was a nice house. We, we had a lot of groups in that house. We, we did a lot of great things. We had a lot of great memories in that house. But, but while we were there, one of the things um, that I used to love to watch was Fixer Upper. And uh, I used to pretend that Chip and Joanna Gaines uh, were our friends. And it wouldn't be so great if they just came over to our house and did like a fixer-upper to our house. And, and so we'd watch that and we'd be like, okay, we got to get some farm style in this like 800 square foot home. And um, I started looking at some of the things that they did, just getting ideas on, on how we could improve our house. But after a while of watching that, I started hating our house. I was like, this... Because I would see what they would do, and I'd be like, oh, I'll sit like that. Or, it, it, you know, I, I started comparing. And, and another thing I started to realize, too, is that we lived in the wrong place. Because apparently in Waco, Texas, you can get like a million-dollar mansion for $100,000. I don't know. And, and so we're, we're paying the same amount for 800-square-foot house. These people are buying 3,000-square-feet houses. We're like, what? So I started comparing, and, and I just realized, I can't. Comparison is a form of greed. And maybe you do this with somebody's car, maybe you do this with somebody's life, maybe you do this with somebody's wife, maybe you do this with somebody's gifts, skill set, abilities, talents, whatever it is. When you begin to compare, it's a form of greed. And Jesus said, be on guard against all kinds of greed. And so now that you know about these four different facets of greed, you're probably greedy, aren't you? And that's why we got to fight against it. One of the best ways for us to fight greed is to give. One of the best ways for us to fight greed is to embrace generosity. And again, greed isn't so much about money as it's about our heart. But if you want to break free from greed, then it starts with your heart. But interestingly enough, even though greed isn't about money, money is the solution to free us from greed because our heart is tied to our money. I didn't say that Jesus did. Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our money and our heart are connected. Where our money goes, our heart follows. So if you want to battle greed, the way you do that is by embracing generosity. God, everything I have comes from you. It's all a resource from you. And so to remind myself of that, 
I'm going to return the first 10% of it back to you like you tell me to do. Because when I do that, and that's why we have opportunities to give each and every week. When I do that on a weekly basis, maybe you do it every other week. Maybe you do it on a monthly basis. But when you make giving a habit of your life, when you're giving, you're saying to yourself, you're saying to your heart, hey, this isn't mine. And it's not about me. It's about not my kingdom, but God's kingdom. And it's just a reminder. And every time you give, it's like punching greed in the face. And it's like, get back. You're not going to take me today. No. Uh, I mean, maybe, you know, you could leg drop it if you want, elbow, whatever. But when we give, it battles greed. And that's what we've been preparing for throughout this series in the Circle Makers offering is to say, God, we want to develop a habit of giving that's consistent and returning the tithe, but also today, we're going to bring an offering bigger than we've ever brought, or more generous than we've ever been, or above the tithe, whatever it is, whatever you've decided. God, we're going to bring this today as a way to drop an atomic bomb on greed in our life to say we want to be generous people. And as we bring that offering in a little bit, there's several different ways that you can do that. You have a, a blue envelope. With you, And maybe you, you, you took this home and you've already put your offering in it. Maybe you forgot it, so we put some out on the, on the chairs for you. But um, when we do this, you, you, I'm going to give you a chance to bring that blue envelope and lay it here on the stage as a way to say, mm, take that greed. And then, God, I am, am, am sacrificing this to you. I'm offering this to you. I'm believing for the things I've been making a circle around. So you have an opportunity to do that. Uh, another way that you can give is just by giving through our app. Right? And so when I give you an opportunity to come up and bring that and drop that down, uh, there's going to be some people who don't come up. Don't judge them. They're giving on the app. And if they're not giving on the app, just, just look like you're giving on the app, okay? Right? But, so, 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 so there's that. But there's, 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 there's several different ways that you can give this. And as you give on the app, there's a drop-down screen that says um, Circle Makers uh, Offering. You just tap that. But when we give... It fights greed in our life. And Jesus said, be on guard of every kind of greed. And then after that, uh, he goes on to tell this story about a guy who, um, he's a farmer, and he was blessed with this abundant crop. The ground yielded this abundant crop. And um, he sees all this wheat, and he's like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do with all my stuff? How many of you would like to answer that question? I have an idea. Can I get a dollar, right? But he's like, what am I going to do with all my stuff? And then he comes up with an idea. He says, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones so that I can store all my stuff. He's hoarding. He just thinks all that he has is all about him. He doesn't think once about God. He doesn't once think about how can I help other people with this amazing resource that I have. And because he's hoarding, because he's greedy, because he thinks only of himself, here's what God said to him. You fool. By the way, I just want to point out that God only calls people a fool twice in the scriptures. And both times God calls somebody a fool is about money and finances. You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. And so one of the instructions that Jesus gives us is to be rich toward God. And when we're rich toward God, we fight greed in our life. And in a moment, we're going to get a chance to see 
the power of God unleashed in our life as we take a step of generosity and give like never before. Uh, I started off this sermon with this passage, Exodus 14, 31. So when the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. But I want to tell you the backstory from this passage that I read. See, what happened is the nation of Israel was a slave nation. Uh, They were slaves in Egypt. And then God shows up to this guy, Moses, and he says, Moses, I want you to lead my people out of Egyptian captivity. Moses says, I don't think I'm good enough. God says, you are good enough. I don't think I'm good enough. He's like, I'm calling you. Go do it. That's a conversation some of us have. I don't think I'm good enough. And God's saying, of course you're good enough because I make you good enough. And if you weren't good enough, I wouldn't be calling you to do this. So step up and do it. Stop making excuses. Hey, that's not even about what I'm talking about, but that's what you needed to hear. So he says to Moses, go lead my people out of Egyptian captivity. So eventually he goes, and then God sends these plagues on Egypt to convince Pharaoh to let his free slave labor go. And this is a picture of what Jesus does for us. You and I are trapped in the slavery of our sin, but Jesus went to the cross to set us free and to give us life. And when Jesus died on the cross, everything that entraps us died He got rid of it so we could be free and have wholeness. And I just want to let you know, in all of this, the best decision you'll ever make in your life is not to give this offering, is not to come to church, is not to read your Bibles, not to sing some songs. The best decision you'll ever make in your life is saying yes to Jesus by making him the leader of your life and the savior of your soul by being baptized into him and following him. And so I want to invite you today, if you've never made the decision, to say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me on the cross, that you rose again from the dead. And because of that, I want to give you my life. I want to follow you. And I want to be baptized into you, buried, so that I can come up a brand new creation. Today's the day to do that. You could, you could let us know that you're ready to make that decision on our app. Uh, there's a connect form there. There's also a form about baptism. But on that connect form, there's a box that says, I want to be baptized, or I got questions about baptism. Fill that out, mark that box. We want to get in touch with you and talk to you about making that happen this year. You could also, as you leave today, you could talk to somebody in a blue hoodie. That's somebody on our guide team, and they can help you with making that decision as well. But the nation of Israel were slaves in Egypt, and then God sets them free, and then he brings them to uh, the Red Sea. And they're here at the Red Sea. There's this body of water in front of them that they can't pass, and then Pharaoh has second thoughts. Like, like, like he, he, he's second-guessing himself. He's like, wait, I just let my free slave labor go. I need to go get them back. And so the nation of Israel, about a million people, are right here at the Red Sea in front of them. And then they look behind them, and the army of Pharaoh is bearing down on them to come reclaim their property. And so they cry out to God, and here's what we see happen. I want to give you the context from that passage that I read. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. 
Pick up your staff, raise your hand over the sea, divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground, and I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. And then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. And the wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. How cool is that? They have this massive aquarium on either side of them as they're walking through the Red Sea. And then the Egyptians... All of Pharaoh's horses, chariots and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. And when all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians in their chariots and charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh. Of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. And this is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. And here's the passage that I read. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed Against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and his servant Moses. Here's the title for my sermon. Obedience unleashes. Obedience unleashes. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord unleashed against the Egyptians, God unleashed his power. He unleashed his power. Somebody say, unleashed. Yeah, when something is on a leash, it's held back. When something is off a leash, it's set free. God unleashed his power. Do you know why God unleashed his power? Goes back to my title. Obedience unleashes. It's because the Israelites acted in obedience and they did what God said that they saw God's power unleashed like never before. He said, what are you doing calling out to me? Tell the people, get to step in. And when the people of Israel do what God said, obey, begin to walk the Red Sea parts. If they didn't do what God said, start to walk, the Red Sea never would have parted. And they never would have seen God's power unleashed. To see God's power unleashed in our life, it means we got to take a step of faith. We have to take a step forward. We have to do what God said. Let me show you this principle when it comes to our finances. Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. 
that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I don't unleash, see if I don't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there won't be room enough to store it. Listen, obedience unleashes. God's saying, I got the blessing. It's on a leash. But the way for you to unleash it, the way for you to set it free is to do what I've said to do. And the way we do that is by living in generosity. So I want you to go ahead, take out the envelope that you brought because we're going to take a step in a moment. We're going to take a step of faith because if you want to see the glory of God unleashed in your life, it requires obedience. Are you ready to see God's power unleashed in your family? Unleashed in your finances? Unleashed in this church? The way we see God's power unleashed is to take a step, to take a step. So go ahead, stand now. Now is the time for you to stand to your feet, to take your offering, to bring it in, in an act of obedience saying, God, I'm here to see your power unleashed in my life. Today is the day and now is the time. This is my wife and I's offering. We're leading the way. Come on, stand and unleash God's power.